All right, we are in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 once again this morning. We will be concluding that chapter with our third uh, message here on the Lord's Supper. So if you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Now in the first uh, verses of this section, verses 17 through 22, we saw, as we talked about the kids, that the Corinthians were not commended by Paul for this. He does not commend them for how they are practicing the Lord's Supper. Uh, The way they were doing it was chaotic. It was just chaos. Eating their fill, getting drunk, not considering one another, having disunity among them. And so obviously this is not how to partake of the Lord's Supper. Then in verses 23 through 26, we saw a reminder of what the Lord's Supper is about, what it is is to be about. Uh, It's to be a simple meal to remember Jesus Christ uh, in order to recall the, the gospel once again in joyful celebration of all that Jesus has accomplished to save sinners. So we saw what the Lord's Supper should not be about, what it is to be, And then today, verses 27 through the end of the chapter, we'll get some instruction on how we should uh, approach the Lord's Supper. So let's pray, and then we'll read through our passage here. Father, may you give your people, gathered together this morning in the sanctuary and on the live stream, the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of you, God, that we would have the eyes of our hearts enlightened that we may know what is the hope to which, we have been called, to which you have called us and what are the riches of your glorious inheritance in the saints and what is the immeasurable greatness of your power toward us to believe. Praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, starting in verse 27. It says, Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, so that when you come together, it will not be for judgment. About the other things, I will give directions when I come. So here we're going to start off uh, this morning with just an explanation of, of the text here. So verse 27 starts with the word therefore, right? So we have to go back, all right? Back to verse 26. Verse 26 says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, because of that. And so when we take of the Lord's Supper, we are proclaiming the Lord's death. When you take the Lord's Supper, you are preaching the gospel, Right? In the, the action that you are doing, you are preaching the gospel. And so that's what the Lord's Supper is all about. It's all about the gospel. 
It's about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who came to earth in humility, taking on humanity, living a perfectly righteous life, going to the cross, bearing sin to die in the place of sinners, being raised again to life, defeating death, and ascending to the right hand of the Father in heaven. And so this is the good news that you proclaim every time you take of communion. And since this Lord's Supper is preaching the gospel, you ought to do it well, right? You ought to do it in the right manner. Therefore, because, this is pre- because you are proclaiming the Lord's death, because you are preaching the gospel, you ought to do it in a right manner. So the Lord's Supper communicates something, and if it's taken in an unworthy manner, it's communicating something different than what it was intended to communicate. Right? We should not proclaim the gospel in an unworthy manner. Now, it's true in preaching. It's true in you living out your life as an everyday, normal Christian. Your life proclaims the gospel. And it's especially true here in the Lord's Supper. When you take it in an unworthy manner, you're actually preaching a false gospel. Right? You're preaching a false gospel. We could even say that you're guilty of blasphemy. Right? You're proclaiming something that's not true. Think of how these Corinthians were doing it. Think of how they were taking it. There's no consideration for others. Well, that's contrary to the gospel, right? They're eating their fill. They're getting drunk. In their actions, they were communicating things about the gospel that weren't true. They were preaching a false gospel. And so the Lord's Supper and how we approach it really matters. It's really important. And so whoever eats in a unworthy manner. So what is an unworthy manner? Well, it's how the Corinthians were doing it, right? They were thoughtless. They were complacent about it. They gave no care or thoughtfulness over the elements that were before them. There was no reverence for the crucified Christ. There was no consideration over their sinful condition and their need for Christ's redeeming work in their lives. They were abusing this special meal that Christ had given to them. And so to take in an unworthy manner is to insult the Lord of your salvation. And that's why it carries judgment and godly discipline as we see here in this passage. And so by contrast, what would be a worthy manner? What would be a good and right way to take of the Lord's Supper? What would be to come with reverence and awe? To come with thankfulness and rejoicing. To put thoughtfulness into what we are doing, to what you are participating in. To come to it in faith and repentance, understanding that you have sin and all that Christ has done for you in his sacrifice. And so our worship of Christ must honor his sacrifice for us. As we come to the Lord's Supper, as we worship him in the Lord's Supper, we must do it in a way that honors his sacrifice for us. And so there's this contrast between 
taking it in an unworthy manner and taking it in a worthy manner. And so let me ask you, how do you take communion? How do you participate in the Lord's Supper for you personally, for us as a church? Is it in a worthy manner? So Paul goes on here in verse 27. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup in an unworthy manner will be guilty, guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. And so this sin, taking the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner, is a direct sin. It's directly sinning against Jesus, the one who gave himself on a cross for you. Forgetting his sacrifice, the sacrifice made on your behalf to secure your forgiveness. It's forgetting what Jesus has done, even in the midst of participating in that, which is to remind us of what he has done. Right? The Lord's Supper is to remind us of Christ's sacrificial death. And so taking it in an unworthy manner is taking it without even giving that consideration even though that's exactly what communion is supposed to be about. And so this is a serious sin. You'd be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord Jesus. It's as if you yourself were putting the Son of God to death. That's serious stuff. And so if you treat the symbol, the bread and the cup, irreverently, it's as if you are treating the real thing in a like manner. Right? Here's an example. A person who burns the flag of his own country. Right? It's a great insult against that country. Right? Similar thing in the Lord's Supper. Treating the elements, the, the bread and the cup, in a, a flippant, thoughtless manner is like treating Christ that way. And so it's a great insult. And so we must be careful to take in a worthy manner. Verse 28 then, let a person examine himself then. And so again, this examination, we'll talk about this more in a little bit, but this examination is an examination for participation. In other words, this examination should lead you to participate. Oftentimes we view this examination as looking for ways not to participate, right? How bad am I this time? Am I just somewhat bad and can participate and am I way bad and should not participate, right? Let's dig up all the sin that I can, can come up with just to, because then I maybe shouldn't participate, right? But that's not what we find in God's word. Christ's command is to do this. Do this in remembrance of me. You should take it, but you should take it rightly in a worthy manner. And so we'll, we'll look at that more coming up in a bit here. Then verse 29, for anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body. In other words, without considering rightly the sacrifice of Christ for the forgiveness of sin. Whoever drinks, eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. So if you eat the bread and drink of the cup without considering the fact of Jesus dying on the cross, bearing your sin in your place, you bring judgment on yourself, right? 
not discerning the body would be treating the, the meal of the Lord's Supper as some ordinary bread and drink without any significance. Right? And you'd be bringing judgment on yourself. Why judgment? Because without the death of Jesus Christ, you would still be in your sin. And so if you disregard his sacrifice, you might still be in your sin. Right? If Jesus didn't bear your sin, you would still be bearing it yourself. And so it should be given consideration. And without giving it consideration, and yet the Lord's Supper, it brings this judgment. So when you come to the Lord's table, you're to give thoughtfulness to your sin, your sinful, hopeless state apart from Christ, and recognize once again that your only hope is in Jesus Christ and what he accomplished for you. That's it. That's your hope. Recognize that. All right? And what is this judgment? If you partake in an unworthy manner, where is this judgment to come? Well, there's God's discipline. That's the judgment he's talking about, is God's discipline. Now, that can be general in nature, or as we see here for the Corinthians, it can be very specific, right? What was it for the Corinthians? Verse 30. That's why many of you are weak and ill, and some of you have even died. Some among them have been weak and they're ill, and some of them have even died because of the way they are approaching the Lord's Supper. That's God's discipline for their sin. So this is serious business, right? Now this eating and drinking judgment in this context is not eternal judgment. This is not condemnation as in there's no hope for them anymore. This is a present judgment. It's divine discipline in their lives intended to bring about repentance, right? When God the Father disciplines you as his child, it is for your good that you might repent of your sin and turn to him once again. That is the purpose of it. And so this judgment here is temporal. It, it's for, uh, it's for uh, repentance and restoration, and yet it's still pretty severe, right? People are sick and dying. That's not a light thing. It's a pretty severe judgment nonetheless. So this shows us God's displeasure when the Lord's Supper, when his instituted ordinance is taken in a light, flippant manner, without thoughtfulness to who Christ is and all that he has done. And we do have to note here that not all sickness is directly related to this. Not all sickness is directly related to a misuse of the Lord's Supper, although some of it could be. And so you can give that some consideration. Then verse 31, but if we judge ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. And so here you are to judge yourself truly. You are to make a fair and right evaluation according to God's word. Right? And so that is what you are to do, but the Lord as we don't do that, the Lord will judge you. He will discipline you for your good. Again, not to condemn you, but to mold you 
so that you might repent and be molded more into the image of Christ. Then in verse 34, so that my brothers, when you come together to eat. So again, the expectation is that you will do this, that you will participate. When you do that, wait. Wait for others. Demonstrate unity, not going off and filling yourself while others go without. Do this together in unity. This is communion. This is togetherness with Christ and with one another as brothers and sisters. And so we're to wait uh, for one another, to participate together. And so the Lord's Supper here should be for blessing and not for judgment, right? The purpose of the Lord's Supper is to bless you. That's its purpose. It should be great blessing for us to participate in that together. But it does depend on how you and we approach that. Because it can be for great blessing or it could be for great judgment. And so we have to be careful with how we approach it. And then Paul says about the other things, I'll give directions when it comes. So there are other things here to address in the Corinthian church uh, regarding the Lord's Supper, but they're obviously, they, they must be of lesser importance. And so Paul's going to wait till he is with them to address some of those other things. And we don't know what, what those other things are. But these are the, the big, as heavy things as, as we've seen. Right? So, as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are to participate in communion. And it starts with a self-examination. Right? And so you are to examine... Dylan, can you advance it to the next one? My thing's not working. Explain. Oh, examine. Okay, exam. Here we go. Now we're too far. Okay, go back one, please, Dylan. Okay, sorry about that. Examine why. So as you come to the Lord's Supper, we here celebrate every month, you are to examine yourself. Okay, and so we'll start with the question, why? Why are you to examine yourself? Well, think back to our understanding of the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is a reminder of what Christ has done. It is uh, communion with Jesus Christ and with his people, and participation in it strengthens you. It gives you spiritual strength as you receive God's grace. And so how can these things happen if it's done in an unworthy manner? Right? How are you going to be strengthened and built up in unity with the brothers and sisters in Christ if it's done in an unworthy manner. It's not going to happen. So the purpose of examining yourself is so that you can come to the table prepared to receive the blessing and to receive all that Christ has for you, to receive the grace of God for spiritual strength in your life. So that's why to examine yourself, so you can receive the blessing that Christ has rather than receiving judgment, right? So next, how? How are you to examine yourself? Well, with thoughtfulness and care, as we've seen, right? Not in the unworthy manner of complacency and irreverence, but this examination is to, to have some thoughtfulness to it, right? To put some thought into it, what's going on and why you're doing it. It's similar to coming to church, Right? If coming to church is just another thing in your schedule, there's no reverence, there's no thoughtfulness to it, doesn't carry much meaning or value for you, yeah, you'll be prone to skip out and do other things and not receive much blessing from it. 
But if you understand that God Almighty is calling you to worship him alongside other brothers and sisters in Christ, right, that, that there's a purpose to this, that we are called to it, then there's going to be great significance and great blessing for you, making the commitment to come to worship God. So similar in the Lord's Supper. You're to give thoughtful consideration to it. You're supposed to remind yourself once again of the gospel and the great work that Christ has done to save you of the immensity of your sin, to take you from a place of uh, divine wrath and bring you to a place of divine blessing and eternal inheritance. This is what it's for. This is how you're supposed to approach it and put these things into your mind. Right? Now there's personal examination. There's personalness to it. You should evaluate yourself and your life. You should give some thought to your attitudes and your conduct, right? What have your attitudes been? What have your thoughts been towards God? What have your thoughts been towards your family members or towards the church? Are you honoring the Lord in your, how you're approaching work or how you're approaching school, right? There's some examination of personal conduct, right? Have you been obedient to God's word? Is your life characteristic of Christ and of his word? How have you been treating people lately? Right? Have you been fighting against temptation? Right? And so there's this personal examination to consider your life in light of the gospel. Right? You were a sinner. Christ died in your place to set you free from that. You are now to live for him. How are you doing there? That's the examination. Now, of course, we should be doing this on an ongoing basis, right? This isn't just a once-in-a-while thing, but the Lord's Supper gives us a special time to focus a little closer, maybe, to do a little closer evaluation, examination in this way. So again, let me ask you, is this the way that you approach the Lord's Supper? Do you actually take time to put thought into your life and to do some self-examination? Do you actually give it some attention or do you maybe have some room to grow there? So that's how. Next, what? What for? What are you to examine yourself for? And again, as I already mentioned, this is for participation, Right? You are to examine yourself for participation. What do I mean by that? This is not to be an examination to exclude from participation, but to include. All right? This word examine here in verse 28, the, the word in the original language means to approve by testing. Okay? To approve by testing. The word does not focus on disproving, but it focuses on approving, right? So in other words, you are to examine yourself. You're to do this exam to think about your life in relationship to the gospel and what Christ has done so that you should participate in the Lord's Supper. That's the purpose, right? Oftentimes we view this wrongly. We view it backwards, right? We look for ways to exclude ourselves, right? We view it as a a pass-fail test, right? How many righteousness points have I earned this week? Right? Do I have enough credit in order to participate? Well, 
or do I not have enough and I just need to sit here in, in shame and try to do better next time, right? That should not be your thinking, right? Your mentally, in your mental examination of yourself, you should not be thinking, well, I hope I did good enough this week. I hope I didn't sin too much. I hope I'm still welcome and invited to the table. I hope I have bring enough value to God that he'll accept me. No, 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 no. That's not this examination. This is not a pass-fail test. This examining is simply to show you how you should participate in the Lord's Supper, not whether you're good enough to participate. Okay? Examine yourself is how you should participate, not to determine whether you're good enough. This self-exam is not to, uh, to condemn or expel, but to invite and to encourage. All right? Again, Jesus said, do this. He didn't say, do this only if you feel good about yourself today. All right? He didn't say, only do this if you feel worthy. All right? That's not it. Do this. Participate. This is for you. Just do it rightly. Do it well. Approach it in the right manner. Examine yourself in light of Christ's saving work, not in how good you are, because you'll fail, right? If that's how you approach this exam, you'll fail every time. None of us are good enough in ourselves to come and do this. We need to examine ourselves in light of the gospel and all that Christ has done for us and who he has made us to be. That's our right invite into the Lord's Supper. So this is a matter of faith. It's a matter of faith. It's a matter of believing the gospel, believing all that Christ has done, believing all that God says in his word about what it accomplishes for us, and then coming freely and joyfully to participate. Verse 28 says, let a person examine himself and then so eat and drink. Right? So do it. Examine and then do it. You are to participate. That's the expectation. It's to be done in this way. Verse 31 speaks about this. But if we judge ourselves truly, if we judge ourselves rightly, if we do a right evaluation of ourselves in light of the gospel, we would be coming. Right? And so this is the thoughtfulness that goes into this examining. Right? I have sinned, but I've confessed my sin. I've repented of my sins. Right? I'm saved by Jesus Christ. The Father has justified me. He's declared me to be righteous. Therefore, I am free of guilt. I'm a redeemed child by God and completely accepted by the Father. And because this is the true and right evaluation, the true and right judgment, I should absolutely participate in the Lord's Supper with God's people. There's no question, right? If you understand the gospel and you understand who you are in Christ through his death and resurrection, by your faith in him, if you understand that rightly, there's no reason you would have not to participate, You should come and you should participate, right? This is what the gospel is all about. This is the proclaiming his death. This is the preaching of the gospel by your participation. You are identifying it once again with Christ and his sacrifice, with the gospel. You're proclaiming that gospel. This is what my life is all about. It's all about Christ redeeming me, right? That's how we should be approaching the Lord's Supper. That's what it's to be about, And so your worthiness to participate in the Lord's Supper is not about you, right? It's about what Christ has done in you. 
It's about his work freeing you from your sin and declaring you to be righteous. That's why you're worthy to participate. So the exam then should lead to freedom of conscience, right? Instead of wondering, should I take today or should I not? And having that, that turmoil in your conscience, if you rightly judge yourself, if you examine yourself rightly in light of the gospel, you should be free to participate in the Lord's Supper. It should be a freedom. So begin with confession. That's good and right. We should do that. But as you call to mind the truths of the gospel, you should move on to joyful thanksgiving. And you should be excited to participate without hesitation, without reservation, because of Christ, not because of you. So that's what you're to examine yourself for. Examine yourself for freedom of participation. When are you to examine yourself? Well, I guess the simple biblical answer is before you take the elements, right? But if we want to be thoughtful of this, we might need a little more time, right? Sometime before the service, could be during the week leading up to communion, right? Maybe setting, a time, some, some, setting aside some time the night before, Saturday night, to, to do this. Could be early Sunday morning if you're an early riser, right? Taking some more time during our time of confession, once again, to consider the gospel and all that Christ has done. The point is to spend some time doing this, to take it in a serious, thoughtful manner, to examine yourself, to examine your life in light of the gospel, and then come and participate joyfully and freely. So if this exam is for participation, in order for you to participate freely in the Lord's Supper, then we need to ask uh, the question of when should you be excluded? Is there a time for that? When should that happen? Pastor Jeremy had made some mention of this previously uh, in in brief, and so I want to expand on some of that a a little bit here. Uh, When should you be excluded? The first would be as an unbeliever. And so if you personally are not a believer, if you do not have faith in Jesus Christ, if you do not have faith in this gospel, then you are still welcome to come and attend our worship service. You're welcome to come to to Bible studies and try to learn more about God's Word and learn more about Jesus Christ and who He is and all that He has accomplished. You're encouraged to talk to a pastor or elder or other friends here at Pine Grove and ask questions, what is this Christianity all about? But you should not participate in the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is only for those who have come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. And so if you give some thoughtful examination to yourself and come to the conclusion that you really don't have faith in Christ, that would be a reason not to participate. You should not participate. We would ask you not to participate. We'd hate for you to bring judgment on yourself. Right? Instead, come and find out truth. Figure out what truth is so you can believe it. Second, when should you be excluded? By the elders, right? If you are under church discipline due to significant ongoing sin in your life, the elders may instruct you not to, tar- not to participate in communion, not to take of the elements. And so this is an 
issue of God-given authority within the church, part of God's authority structure within the church. Part of the elder's role is to administer church discipline, to uh, call out sin in your life, to help you address sin in your life, to evaluate whether you are uh, repentant of your sin or whether you continue in it. And so part of this elder role of church discipline also includes uh, excluding at times, individuals from participation in the Lord's Supper. Why is this? Well, someone who has ongoing uh, sin, significant sin in their their life, will need time to prove repentance. So repentance, turning from sin, turning back to Christ. Repentance is shown over time. It's proven over time. All right? So yes, there's an initial recognition of I have sinned and I need Christ. But when there's significant ongoing sin, that repentance then needs to be shown or proven over time. It's proven over time. It can happen, right? Somebody can turn from their sin, but they need to continue in repentance. There's a path of repentance that takes place over time. And so that's why the elders may ask somebody in that position not to participate. And so please understand here that this is Again, it's loving discipline. It's similar to a father disciplining his child. It's not kicking them out of the family, but it's for their benefit. It's in love that this is done. It's to communicate the seriousness of sin. Right? Why do you as a father or as a parent discipline your children? So that they understand sin. So that they can turn from it and turn to Christ. Right? It's the same thing with church discipline. And so it's always done in love with the hope of restoration. So why should you be excluded? As an unbeliever by the elders? And then this maybe bigger question, yourself. Should you exclude yourself from the Lord's Supper? Pastor Jeremy mentioned previously that you as a believer should not do that, that you should not exclude yourself. And so I hope to add some clarity to that. Uh, There are a couple things we need to understand here. First, we need to understand that this is a command given by Jesus Christ, and therefore you should take it in faith. Okay? Jesus said, do this. Do this in remembrance of me. Examine yourself, and then so eat and drink. Right? And so you as a believer in Jesus Christ are to do this. You are to participate. You are to partake of the Lord's Supper when it is offered by the church. And so when you don't do that, when you exclude yourself, you're actually disobeying what Christ has commanded you to do. You're disobeying God's word. And so taking communion here is an act of faith. It's an act of faith. You know you're not worthy of it apart from Christ. And yet God calls you to it because of Christ. And so you're to receive it in faith. So it's a command. And second, it's a matter of authority. Again, thinking back to the the elders and the the authority structure in the church. Uh, Because the Lord's Supper is an ordinance of the church, it takes place under the elders' authority. The elders are given oversight over it. That's why we serve you in it. The elders, under the 
headship of Christ rule over the, this meal. Right? Now, don't take me saying that as us being controlling, as elders being controlling and want to control everything for you. It's just, again, part of God's loving provision for you, to provide you spiritual leaders to do this for you and with you. And so it's a, a matter of a command, and it's under the, authorities of, the authority of the elders. And so why might you be tempted to exclude yourself? Why might you in this exam say, well, maybe I shouldn't participate? It's most likely one of two things. First, you're, you may not be seeing yourself rightly. And second, you may have, actually have significant sin in your life. And so let me encourage you, either way, you need the help of others. <laughs> either way, come and talk to the elders. Come and talk about it. All right? So first, if you're not seeing yourself rightly. So sometimes we come and we don't fully grasp the gospel and all that it means for us. And so again, we start looking at ourselves and our failings and our shortcoming, our sin, right? And you don't feel worthy. And you get too down on yourself. You know you've sinned, right? And you feel unacceptable to God. Again, if this is the case, you need someone else to help bring truth to you. You need someone to, uh, to, to tell you once again of God's grace, to, to preach the gospel to you once again. You need to hear that you are worthy because of Christ and because of what he has done for you. So that's one possibility, is that you're just not seeing yourself rightly in light of the gospel. Or secondly, it could be that because you do have significant sin in your life, right? Or you have sin that's of such a, a weight that you should not be taking communion. And so here again, you also need to hear the gospel. You also need the gospel preached to you once again. You need somebody to help you work through that. And that's what the elders are here for, right? To help you see that and help you work through a process of repentance. And so if you think that you should not be participating in the Lord's Supper, that should be an indicator to you, right? If you're considering not participating, that should be like a, a little flag, an indicator in your mind that you need the help of an elder, right? Let the elders minister to you. That's what God has them here for, right? That's what their role is, is to minister to you. It's to help you see yourself rightly. It's to help you address sin in your life. It's to help lead you in a process of what repentance actually is and what it actually looks like. This should be, this is really countercultural, but it should be just a normal, comfortable thing for us, right? This is part of what community in the church is all about. And so don't be afraid of that, right? Welcome it. Welcome the input of spiritual fathers into your life. It's a blessing of God. Now at this point, you might have an objection, right? But verse 28 says, let a man examine himself. Yep, that's what it says. So examine yourself and then bring the issue to the elders. That's what I would encourage you. Because God has created us to need community. And so in the church, again, God's given you pastors and elders as shepherds, as spiritual overseers for your good, for your benefit. And so make good use of us. We'd love to be a help to you. All right? So don't exclude yourself from the Lord's Supper. 
Before you would ever do that, you should have some conversations with one or more elders about your sin and why you would be considering excluding yourself from the table. Okay? Think of it this way. Think of it as a family. Right? Excluding yourself from this meal of the Lord's table would be like a child excluding himself from the family dinner table because he doesn't feel worthy to be part of the family that night. That's ridiculous, right? You as a parent shouldn't allow that, right? You should be having some purposeful conversations with that child if that's what they're feeling, all right? And so this is very similar. The elders are given to you as spiritual fathers. And so the Lord's Supper is God calling his people to receive his grace by faith. That's why this is an act of faith. Because again, it's not looking at yourself and your sin, but it's looking to Christ and who he has and what he has, who he has declared you to be. And so have faith to take this meal, believing in the blessing of God that is yours. So obey Jesus' command in the Lord's Supper under the authority of the elders and receive it in faith. So before we finish, I want to briefly touch on children. Uh, kids oftentimes ask parents, can I take the communion? Can I eat the bread and drink the the juice. Uh, we also at times get questions from parents. When should, when should my children be allowed to participate? So let me quickly and briefly give you a few things to consider along these lines. Uh, first of all, uh, to the best of the, your understanding, you need to ask yourself, is your child a true believer in Christ? Right? Uh, does he understand the gospel? Does he understand that he has sinned against God? Does he understand that his sin deserves God's wrath? Does he understand that Jesus died on the cross in his place, bearing his sin that he, even as a young child, might be forgiven? Does he understand that Jesus was raised to life again and is now reigning and ruling over all things? Does he or she have an ongoing personal expression of faith? So that would be the first thing to consider. Second thing, is your child at a maturity level in which he or she is able to examine himself or herself? Can your child do a level of self-examination? Does he recognize sin in his life? Does he confess it? Does he repent of it? So maturity level plays into it. Third thing, uh, this is for you as a parent. You might have to check your expectations for your child. What do I mean by that? Sometimes we as parents expect our children to be mature to have the maturity of adults. <laughs> it's not going to happen, right? So, so don't expect your child to have the maturity level of an adult, right? Your child's just that, a child. And so don't expect adult-like maturity before he or she can participate in the Lord's Supper, right? Faith is the standard, and childlike faith counts as faith, right? Childlike faith. So consider that. Don't expect sinless perfection before you let them participate. Don't expect adult-level maturity before they can participate. Next thing regarding children. Again, consider involving the elders in that decision. When is your child ready? I think they might be. Great. Bring them to one, an elder, one of the elders. Have a conversation with one of the elders to help you evaluate whether your child is ready to participate in communion. 
to evaluate your child's confession of faith. Why not do that? Right? Help your child see that it is good to have church authority, elders, to invest in them in a spiritual way. Right? Again, let's teach our children that this is, should be a normal, comfortable thing. There's no harm or shame in meeting and talking with an elder over this. Also, an elder might be able to help you gain more objective view, right? You might be thinking your child will never be ready, or you might be thinking, oh, they're so wonderful and perfect, right? Elders can help bring some objectivity to that. So include the elders in deciding when your child is ready for, for the Lord's Supper. Uh, fifth and lastly, consider how baptism fits in, right? This isn't just for kids, but it's for all of us. Um, if you are participating in the Lord's Supper and have not been baptized in a biblical manner, you should really give some serious consideration to being baptized, right? That would be a good pattern to consider, right? Baptism first and then participation in the Lord's Supper, right? Baptism is kind of the initial step and then communion as the ongoing uh, steps to follow, now, we don't necessarily do that as individuals or as a church, but it's something that you and we should give more thought and more consideration to, uh, that, that order of ordinance, baptism and communion. So give that some thought too. So again, regarding children, talk to an uh, elder, one of us pastors, uh, if you have more questions or thoughts there. All right, some quick application points. Uh, we will not be celebrating communion next week. It's the first Sunday of the month. Um, we'll be doing two weeks. That's because uh, most of the elders and both of us pastors will be gone next Sunday. We'll be at a conference. Um, one elder, Dennis, will be here. He'll be around. And so he's available to you. Uh, Jonathan Brood will be preaching that week, just so you know. Um, but because the elders will be gone, we're going to push the Lord's Supper back uh, a week uh, to October 11th. So you've got two weeks before we uh, celebrate the Lord's Supper together again. So in the meantime, challenge yourself on your perspective of the Lord's Supper. Give it some real thought. Give it some real consideration. How do you view it? What is its significance? Right? Consider how to rightly and properly, in a worthy manner, uh, to examine yourself. And consider meeting with an elder to talk about sin in your life or your thoughts on how you should be approaching communion. And so give that some thought as well. So in two weeks, be ready. Come ready to uh, participate in the Lord's Supper freely and, and joyfully. Okay, let's pray, and then we'll sing our closing song. Let's pray. Father God, we do praise you for your glorious gospel that you have sent your son to die in our place on our behalf, bearing our sin, becoming sin for us, taking our sin that we might not need to bear it any longer. So God, as we approach the Lord's Supper, help us to do it with great joy and great freedom, knowing who we are in Christ, knowing the freedom that we have in him. Let us be a people who come and participate, partake in a worthy manner, God, help us to give thoughtfulness to Christ and to the gospel. 
and that it might be a joyful celebration rather than a wondering, fearful uh, activity. And so, God, may you free us in this, but help us to do it rightly. So, God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth. And, uh, God, may you be honored and glorified in this. In Jesus' name, amen.